I'm drinking a Wildberry Seagram's <laughs> with crushed ice in a glass, as you can hear from these all-inclusive sound effects. This is going to pick up, believe me. Um, <laughs> Two very different drink vibes. Yeah. We can see who wears the pants in this relationship. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean who wears the one-piece pajama onesie. What? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm the one wearing the, the onesie right now. <laughs> you can't tell. Um, so welcome back to Rachel's DC Corner, um, hosted by Rachel, my wife. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Daniel. Um, today uh, we're going to talk about Joss Whedon's Justice League, um, the one that came out in theaters, the one that we just watched in 3D in my basement. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is the first time Rachel's ever seen it. Um, I've probably mm-hmm. seen it maybe two times, three times. Um, and it's the first time I've seen it in like a year or so. Um, and in this close proximity to the Snyder Cut and watching Batman vs. Superman last week. Um, and if uh, you did not tune into last week's episode, you did not hear that we both gave <laughs> Batman vs. Superman a four and a half. Um that was about the best we could do. Um, so, what did we think about this one, Range? I really, really liked it. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what did you think about I'm it? I'm sorry, I got a crushed ice in my mouth. Disgusting. Um, I, um, I like this movie a lot. It's probably one of the best DCEU movies. I can't remember though. Did you not like it at the time when you saw it in theaters? Like I, you, I remember you coming home. So I've always liked this movie. Oh, okay. um, I'm one of the few people I've ever heard in my life who said that they like this movie. For some reason, everybody hates this movie. Um, well, I'm confused. Okay. Because that was a good movie. Right. <laughs> what about it was um, hate worthy? <laughs> Well, you have a lot of different political factions going into it. You have people that liked Batman versus Superman. Um, as you can tell from the movie we just watched, it's a very different experience than Batman versus Superman, right? Yeah, it was more like Marvel, it was which more was like great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this this is going to be the age-old question, is what, what do you want out of these superhero movies? Some people want um, a three-hour movie where Lois Lane is like doing a lot of reporting about it. A bullet, and some people just want an action movie with cool special effects and a guy with a giant glowing hammer. And um, I'm in the latter camp. Um, I don't really watch su- superhero movies to like see something like dour and just awful and rainy and ugly. I go to f- to see like spectacle. And some people I know. <laughs> including my podcast host, like, aren't really wowed by spectacle and don't really require it as a form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's it, we're going to get into it when we do Godzilla uh, versus King Kong in a week, but, like, Dan cannot fathom stuff like that. Um, and I don't blame him. Like, there is a world in which I can see that those things are stupid. I just... It's a guilty pleasure of mine. And this movie kind of goes into the, like, Cloverfield paradox camp of, like, movies that I like and can't really, like, apologize for and just, I think, work. Um, So are you saying that um, people who... So a lot of people liked Batman vs. Superman? No. Okay, so are you saying the same people who liked one, like, didn't like the other, or is that what you're... I don't really understand fully why people dislike Justice League so much. Um, it felt like a perfectly fine movie to me. Yeah, I, I... I honestly really didn't have any complaints. It got, like, worse reviews and worse reaction. Um, you asked me right when the movie ended if there's going to be a sequel to Justice League. Um, like, not as of now, I don't think so. How long did, ago did this come out? A while ago, right? Yeah, a while ago. Um, and I think that it really killed the DCEU. It was like the nail in the coffin, this movie, of the entire DCEU. Which is funny because there's so many awful other movies in the DCEU that deserve to be the thing that really brought the ship down. But for it to be this, I think it's kind of silly. Um, I think... Everything that I like about this movie kind of relates to just, like, portrayals of the characters and just 
that this time Batman doesn't kill anybody and doesn't shoot anybody in the head with a sniper rifle or brand anyone. Well, it, it followed the, the Marvel um, formula. So the, all the fights were during the daytime, so I yeah. could see them really clearly. Rich could see everything. Um, they were all making funny jokes with each other. Yeah. They had quick wit. Right. Um, everyone seems to be playing their character well. It was well scripted. Mm-hmm. It felt more like I connected with Batman in this movie. Right. He made more sense. <laughs> I agree. And while the, while I think that Superman is in it all too briefly, True. he morally represents the Superman from the comics and the Christopher Reeve Superman, where it's just like justice, like being an American, like being a being a decent guy, like in that fight at the end, he's like very friendly with everybody and just like mm-hmm. has like a very paternal vibe going on. And I just think that... Joss Whedon, I mean, obviously he's in his own hot water right now over this movie that we just watched. I mean, he, the guy who plays Cyborg sued him and is suing Warner Brothers over, like, harassment and abuse. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that when Joss Whedon showed up on the set of this movie, he just, like, told everyone to fuck off and, like, everything was his way and he had to undo everything that Zack Snyder did. But there's a world in which I don't blame him because, like, when... Batman vs. Superman came out in theaters, Zack Snyder was filming this movie. Like, it was in the middle of being filmed. So, people saw the reaction to that and were like, oh, we need to do a course correction on this. It's a little bit like Rise of Skywalker, where it's just like the movie that came before it, in my opinion, is fucking terrible. And the people who had to follow it up really had to patch up the ship as quick as possible. Um, I'm going all in on the ship metaphor. Um, and, um, it, yeah, it's just a matter of, like, putting the pieces back together in a way that I prefer and that you prefer as, a, as like, a Marvel fan. I hate to keep bringing it up. Sorry, Dan. Um, but, yeah, it's it to me, it's like either you're going to do something really ironic and smart and super violent and rated R with, with superhero stuff and make it interesting, or you should just try to make it like a comic book. And mm-hmm. whether it's Marvel or Joss Whedon in general, it has this comic book vibe to it that mm-hmm. I just really appreciate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like this movie. Um, I would give this movie like a like a seven and a half. I, I'll give it an eight. Whoa! <laughs> I mean, having just rewatched or in the middle of rewatching mm-hmm. the Marvel movies, this feels like any of the older Marvel movies, like the first Avengers, or, you know, right. it just felt like it followed the same likable formula, at least for me. And everything just flowed. The script felt correct, the pace felt correct. Right. And I liked Wonder Woman a lot in this one yeah, for the th- first time. I think Wonder Woman had her best representation in this. Mm-hmm. Um, of any of the movies that she was in. Definitely. Um, and I thought she looked the best she's looked, yep. like, in and out of costume, and just, like, her fighting seemed spot on. Um, I liked the scene in Themyscira, where all the um, Amazonians are fighting mm-hmm. uh, Steppenwolf. It was during the daytime. <laughs> we really appreciate that. It's like, if, you're, if your entire movie is going to be a CGI cartoon, just set it during the day. No big deal. Yeah, at least they were saying they did some some dusk, some dawn, to try and make it seem like it was almost around nighttime. But, like, when scenes are in the night, you just can't see anything. And before people freak out and and think, like, giving Justice League a 7 or a a 7.5 or an 8, even, is a ridiculous thing. Like, I challenge you to sit down and watch Batman vs. Superman, where you will be forced to give it... At, at like between a one and a four, I can't imagine what kind of person would want to watch that movie or rate it any higher than that. And then if you watch this immediately afterward, like it is so much more entertaining of an experience mm-hmm. than Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman is deeply exhausting. Um, and it's just their opinions just don't make sense. Like Batman's yeah. hatred for Superman, his very quick turnaround to being all cool right. with Superman. 
was just very off-putting. I'm really glad that Lex Luthor was just not in this movie. <laughs> yeah. They just totally forgot about him. And they totally forgot about a lot of things that were going on in Batman versus Superman. Like Perry White, who's the boss of the Daily Planet and was like riding Superman's ass and was like really huge in Lois's life. Like Lois is reporting shit. One of the notes that definitely came in from Batman versus Superman is like, we have had enough of Lois doing reporting. And in this movie, she really, she like sat in the break room of the Daily Planet two separate times. And like, that was the most we really saw of her, like, at her job. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I mean, she wasn't in the movie a lot at all. Right. Which was fine. One of the funniest things I thought about uh, when they were talking about where she's been since Batman versus Superman. Um, remember in Bat Batman vs. Superman, she was literally, like, infiltrating a terrorist camp in the beginning mm -hmm. and was, like, doing some, like, crazy high-level reporting, like, like government-level reporting. Yeah. And then in this movie, she's like, oh, well, I I've just been doing stories on funny cats and, like, blah, 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 just to, like, you know, ease my way back in. Like, you don't go from being, like, a Pulitzer Prize winner to, like, doing cat articles in the Daily Planet. <laughs> it was such a dumbass way to, like, try to describe, like, what had happened to her from the last movie to this one. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think less of her was better, even though Amy Adams is, like, a great actress. I think she's, like, super awful in all these movies. Yeah, it just wasn't, it's not the right character for her. Let's, I don't know. Let's save. Hold on. So what do we think of the villain this time around, Steppenwolf? One of the most controversial aspects of this movie, apparently, to these fucking nerds. <laughs> he was exactly the same as Thanos or any of the Marvel yeah. um, antagonists. He was a big rubbery CGI guy with a glowing hammer. I thought he looked great. People were really upset with the way that he looked. He and like, I thought he looked fantastic. In the Snyder Cut, they, oh, we, now we have the original design again. And it just, like, looks Jeez. so, it looks ridiculous. It's this, like, so oh, many of the things that. were that were changed that I can see in the trailer for the Snyder Cut are just, like, what? Do you think this is a situation of, like, something aging well? Like, this, like, aged better than it was originally took or something like that no i don't think people are like ever gonna like this movie really i don't well, know why they should go back and try it again they should try it again ezra miller is the flash delightful he's so funny he was great he's got a very and don't cringe too hard woody allen like jewish neurotic vibe throughout <laughs> the whole movie um and made a lot of funny jokes and i've laughed at the jokes every single time i've watched it um I love every time they pan over to him and his eyes are just shifting around yeah. and he's just... He's the, just the, having anxiety. The best moment in the entire movie for me is when Cyborg first comes on the roof uh, when Commissioner Gordon lights up the yeah. bat signal and they just cut to Ezra Miller who's like just seeing Cyborg for the first time and it's like, you know, a, a black man turned into a robot with just an eyeball and like just <laughs> looks horrifying and he just has this the most terrified expression on his face. Um, I thought that was really funny. It was. I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, at this, at this rate, it seems to me like it could have gone exactly the same as... I don't want to say Marvel again. Yeah, yeah. You're, you are really going <laughs> to upset I'm just saying, Dan. like, I could see the, it could have gone to, you know, Flash, then he had his single movie, and the, the cyborg had his, and then they all come back to fight a big guy again. It's, um, it is really crazy, though, that, like, you could just so clearly see the, the director, whoever, mm -hmm. like, his writing just coming out exactly. Like, the jokes were yeah. just the same type of jokes. It was the same vibe. That's how it is with all of his movies. You can always tell... Uh, that there's this like jokey vibe to it and he writes really good dialogue I think he got me too'd on top oh, of no. all this like right before the abuse thing about this movie came out I think he was also me too'd by a, a gaggle of women um, so shout out to Joss Whedon for making another great movie but maybe being a humongous <laughs> asshole um, yeah I, I, so I don't know what has happened since this movie can you catch me up in so the DC universe since this movie Warner Brothers has basically been like n now we're gonna make movies in the DC universe but like none that include Batman and Superman because it's just a disaster and Ben Affleck <laughs> quit being Batman and they like fired Henry Cavill from being Superman and then rehired him and then fired him and um, the core of the DCEU is what we've watched here. You know what I mean? Like, you and I have seen Shazam. You and I have seen Aquaman, whether or not. You have a very puzzled look on your face as if well, you've never seen these movies. Um, but um, 
they've decided like making the ancillary side movies is the way to go because they fucked up so badly in the center and lost Batman and Superman as characters that people respected. I mean, like the amount of money that Justice League this movie made in its first weekend is was nothing compared to Avengers. It was nothing, I think, compared to even Batman versus Superman. Um, and it got equally trashed by uh, critics. And I don't think, I, yeah, like I said, I, I haven't heard like a, a person say a single positive thing about it. Um, well, what's their plan though? Just to do single movies and then no meetup? Well, they announced this week, first of all, that it's been like seven years though. Marvel they, put out like two a year. Oh. They have like how many? Sixty. <laughs> like, yeah, DC's struggling. I mean, they've instead like, you know, they've gone out of the DCEU and done like Joker. But, like, we've seen some movies that were in the DCEU in the past year or two. We saw Birds of Prey, which you liked, and I thought mm-hmm. was absolute trash. And Wonder Woman 84. That was trash. Which was garbage. Um, Aquaman I enjoyed and would rewatch if you wanted to. That would be a fun rewatch. It's okay. a cool movie. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, other than that, they've been trying to make this Flash movie forever. Like, Yeah, what's going on with that? Well, Cy- it's, it's supposed to have been starring Cyborg and Flash, and then Cyborg quit and, like, sued Warner Brothers, which, so that fell mm. apart. And then the next idea is they brought in Michael Keaton, who played Batman in the Batman 1989 movie, and he is going to be Batman in that movie because Ben Affleck quit. So they're bringing back the old Batman because there are comic stories with the Flash and an older version of Batman. Flash is kind of like in in Marvel, Doctor Strange and stuff like that, where they can go to like multiverses and travel through time and shit like that because he can run so fast. Right. Um, but they didn't really get into that in this movie, and they didn't get into anything from Batman versus Superman in terms of like the nightmare sequence, right? And like the Flash traveling back through time, they just like dropped all of that. Um, but rest easy because all of that is going to be in the Snyder Cut and a lot more that relates directly to Batman versus Superman. Well, I'm um, excited to see what the original plan was. The original plan was a trilogy of Justice League movies where Steppenwolf would be in the first one, which is the one we watched, then Darkseid, who truly is Thanos. Like, when you said that... Um, Steppenwolf is Thanos. Really, Darkseid is Thanos. And Darkseid is the dude who his logo is burned into the ground in BVS when they show like that crazy cityscape. He is the ultimate bad guy of the DC, but he is nowhere to be seen in this movie. And He did say it once, though. He did say it one time. They like just added it in. He was like, Darkseid. It was really weird. Yes, Darkseid. It was like... Um, a few, it was laggy. It was like a few seconds pause. Yeah, and for sure. Like dark side. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was taken completely out of the movie. He's in the Snyder Cut. Okay. Um, I just don't understand at this point how the Snyder Cut is going to be four hours long. That's double the length of the movie that we just watched. Double. Plus, it includes very little footage from the movie we just saw. Well, I'm excited to see it. I don't know though because I actually like this movie and I think it's tight. And it flows pretty well, and it's in the daytime, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny and had a good sense of humor, so, like, are you ready for a version of this movie that doesn't have any of those things? Well, now, yeah, I'm curious, just, you know, because I really liked this version, so right. this is the version that I'm going to consider the real one. <laughs> okay. But I I will see, you know, where the original uh, vision was. <laughs> hmm And, um, I mean, I'm obviously not going to like it as much, because it's going to be dark. <laughs> <laughs> and not in 3D. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on Justice League, Joss Whedon version that you'd like to share? No, I just thought it was overall a positive experience and just thought every scene flowed into the next nicely. The actors did a great job and it worked. More of a fan of Ben Affleck this time around? Mm-hmm. He did well. Agreed, yeah. He did pretty good. Okay, well, um, check back in in a couple seconds for our next part of this podcast where we will have already seen the Snyder Cut. Woo! At this point, not really sure if Dan is going to join us or not. Crystal Ball says unlikely. I don't know. We never know. But if he wants to watch the Snyder Cut, 
by all means, you will hear from him in the next five minutes. Or it'll just be me and Rachie in our basement. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get used to this, though. Dan is going to be hard at work with us very soon. By us, I mean just me. But um, thank you to my co-host, Rachel, for filling in on movies that Dan Enden refuses. Rightfully so. (laughs) I don't think he would enjoy them. Watching them for him would just be painful. So, you know, we're subbing. (laughs) Substitute teach. Thanks for having me in the studio. I'd like to see Dan in the same pajama onesie that you're wearing right now. (laughs) (laughs) That That would be, that would be effort. That would be good. Okay, Rach. All right. See just you wait, next time. Just nope. Just waiting on you for your uh, for your final catchphrase. What is it? That's a wrap. No. What was it? Keep going. You you, you were close. That's a wrap. Is close. That's all, folks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rachel's DC Corner Snyder Cut Edition. Hello. Okay, that's your host, Rachel. <laughs> Rach, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm embracing my inner Lex Luthor right now. I see. I'm 100% balder than I was the last um, time we recorded. Just like Lex Luthor, I'm liberated, you know? As we saw in the Snyder Cut, he's doing pretty well for himself. He's on a yacht. He's got a cute little suit on. I know he had to shave his head for prison. I don't know why he still was shaving his head, though. Well, he just had to match the vibe that Lex is supposed to have. He just had to actually be like Lex Luthor this time around. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yesterday and the day before, we watched the Snyder Cut. Um, I go to work pretty early in the morning, so I was not able to watch it in one shot. Granted, we could have done it today on Saturday or tomorrow or Sunday, but... I for sure would have felt like I wasted my entire day if I would have spent an entire weekend day watching a four-hour movie yeah. of any quality or kind. Um, but yeah, um, you know, last we spoke on this podcast, we uh, had watched The Weed and Cut, which Rachel enjoyed very much. She gave that either an eight or an eight and a half, mm-hmm. which is pretty high up there. I don't know if anyone's ever given that movie an eight or an eight and a half, but the, here's where we are. I gave it a <laughs> seven and a half because I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it was good after Batman versus Superman to watch a movie that was able to have fun with itself. Um, even if that fun was created and tacked on at the last minute, I still enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed the fun that the weeding cut presented. Um, Almost none of that fun transferred over to the Snyder Cut. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, there were a lot of shifts that had to be made um, with tone and otherwise. Um, Why don't we just start on the the basic elements before we go in on the extreme details? Um, Rachel, what did you think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? I really did not like it. Wow. But at the same time, like the way my brain works in terms of like watching movies and absorbing information. I think around the three hour mark, I just started getting really confused about what was from the previous one. Yeah, you one mentioned that. I mean, and I don't blame one. you. You've and seen so, these things one time in one week. Yeah, and so I just, I don't know if my opinion is skewed. I don't know if I had watched this one first, if I would have felt like maybe I was just like, like hanging on to the original in sure. my mind just because it was the first one I watched. Yes. But I just like thought everything was off-putting in this movie. Sure. And I felt like um, the way that it was set up this time, the characters didn't bond as well, and it was just not... Um, I didn't feel their group, like, momentum right. anymore. And I also just felt like it just didn't make sense at a lot of points, especially towards the end. We mentioned um, earlier in our uh, review of BVS that DC has a habit of Assuming that you know things. Um, And one of the big changes from uh, the weed into the Snyder Cut is that the Snyder Cut presumes that you know all these things about DC history that you do not. Um, Now, I'm not saying that as a knock on you. You aren't expected to walk into this movie knowing who the Martian Manhunter is. You aren't expected to walk into this movie knowing that the actor who played Major Swanepoel from Man of Steel and BVS was Martian Manhunter the whole time, which is something that Zack Snyder said in interviews multiple times. So there were things that people expected to see in the Snyder Cut that you had no expectation for. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that skewed your ability to enjoy it. 
I'm saying that that's it's on them for not integrating those elements in the first place. You shouldn't be as as an audience member sitting in a movie going, I don't have the proper tools to know what's going on. So when you say the last half an hour of the Snyder Cut started to confuse you, I don't blame you. There was a tremendous amount of fan service and shit that he was pushing into the movie that he was doing solely for his Snyder fans, solely for, for DC fans, for people like me who watched the cartoon Justice League show growing up for nine seasons straight and loves the dynamic between all of those characters and loves Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern. These are things that showed up in the Snyder Cut. Like when Green Lantern showed up, you looked at me and you're like, well, who is that? <laughs> but like the, the whole thing is, that's okay. You shouldn't have to know that. And it's on Zack Snyder for, again, making a very inclusive or exclusive movie um, that kind of cuts certain audience members out. Um, I don't blame you for that. I don't blame you for thinking that the vibe was quote-unquote off. I think that the sense of humor that was found in the weeding cut is 100% gone in this cut. And that goes down to what I think is one of the craziest changes, which is that every single line that The Flash had, not even scenes mm -hmm. that he had that weren't in the original, but every line that he had in the Snyder Cut, even if it was a scene that was in the other version, was completely different. Completely. They painted him in the Whedon Cut as an inexperienced superhero. Mm -hmm. someone they who totally erased that in this one. did not know the strength of his powers, who did not blah, blah, blah. Um, this movie presumes that he's already been the Flash for quite a period of time and is quite good at being the Flash. In fact, one of my favorite things about the Snyder Cut is when they go into how the Flash is playing with time. Because that is something that always comes up in the comics for the Flash. As he develops his powers, he realizes that he can move so fast that he can push time, essentially, in different directions. And that's going to be the plot of his solo movie, which will be coming out in 2022. It's been pushed back four okay. and a half years. Um... If it ever happens, it's supposed to deal with those concepts. But again, that's not something that should excite you. You know what I mean? Like, you you as a new viewer don't get anything from watching The Flash run through time. You've seen 40 Marvel movies where people are going through time. <laughs> You've seen 100 sci-fi movies where people are going through time. For you, it's not going to register. I would have appreciated in the in the Wheaton cut just like getting to know him first and then maybe in the next movie we see his ability to play with time. Like I didn't need it to be all smashed into this four hour film. Right. Well let's get something straight right off the bat. And, and it makes this review almost moot and that's the thing that we watched would have never been in theaters. Right, that was what we were talking um, about, too, is that it was just too... Obviously, it was just an uncut movie, too, so right. it's hard to judge or compare because it was filled with over an hour of deleted scenes. Right, I mean, there is... When they make movies like this, which is all of the time, they are always three to four hours long. Of course. Always. And uh, unless you're making a Marvel movie, which typically they, they know the, the script length, they know how to keep that in check... But when you're making huge blockbuster movies, you tend to film as much as possible because your sets are not bound by daylight. They're not bound by the time of the week. You're on a green screen in a studio. So you have the power to go, let's take this again and be less funny. Let's take this again and we'll explain this this time. Let's take this again. And then through a process of reviewing that footage, the execs mm -hmm. watch it. The audience, test audiences then watch it and rate it. The editor, sometimes there's two or three, get to discuss how much we're going to focus on this, how much we're focused on that. In these big movies, sometimes they take the director out and they say, you're not allowed to be in the editing room, which is, I think, insane. So there are situations commercially where directors are pulled out of their own movies all the time and they're like, they let other people finish it. And, you know, maybe that movie does turn out to be good. But the end, the end point is that I, as somebody who... You know, I'm interested in film as an art form, not as a commercial product. Find it offensive that they pulled Zack Snyder off of this movie. Now, does that mean I like the movie? I'm not even saying that. What I'm saying is that Zack Snyder had a vision for this movie. Let's get that straight. There's no vision in in the Weed and Justice League movie. It is an entertaining popcorn movie. It does not challenge you at any level. There's no part of it that's like. You should have to be thinking harder than the plot of this movie. Go beyond this movie. Think in the future. Think what the ramifications are going to be. Think, you know, um, all of these dark reflections. But that that's because it was, in my mind, or very early on in the could-be-long-told story. 
Yes. Like, I mean, the Snyder Cut was supposed to be the first of a trilogy. So the bottom line is we don't know where that would head. It's hard to judge any of this based on that extra information. But what I can say in terms of my actual feelings towards the Snyder Cut is that I'm 100% with you. There is fat to be found all over it that needed to be trimmed that any normal movie would have cut out. Mm -hmm. We joked with one another 20 times that they were... Instead of just like, you know, here's how this character got to the warehouse at night. It's like, <laughs> here's what this character ate for breakfast. And that breakfast interacted with him badly, so he had to go get Pepto-Bismol. And then he got Pepto-Bismol, <laughs> and on his way of getting Pepto-Bismol, he heard something. It was a crime from far away. So he dropped his grocery bags. He goes into a phone booth. He changed into his costume. Then he flies over to the place where the crime <laughs> is happening. In the weeding cut, it's like, he flies over to the crime. Right. That's it. The Snyder cut is literally like... Not even in a way to explain itself, but it's just how the man filmed this fucking movie where you have too much information. There's entirely too much. But that being its own error and mistake, I don't know why he didn't want to cut an actual theatrical to have as his official cut. Right. That being said, there is stuff in the Snyder Cut that is more unique, challenging, visually appealing... Um, action beats oriented in a way that I liked more than the weeding cut. The problem is there's also another hour of shit I did not need. Easily. It just muffled it for Easily. me. So I was just confused and unable they would have to separate. Pulled a full hour out of the Snyder cut and tightened it up. I, I think that I would be one of the many people who are saying this is the definitive DC movie. There are so many people that are saying the Snyder Cut thing is a, a complete revolution. Now, I will say this. I loved Zack Snyder before the DCEU. He made Watchmen, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, very controversial. People hated it because of how it was transferred from the comics. He made 300, which I've always really enjoyed as well. These are all huge epic scope movies with slow-mo action, gorgeous visuals, interesting musical cues, things that make Zack Snyder Zack Snyder. BVS and Man of Steel had absolutely none of those things. When they announced that he was going to create the DCEU, I was like, this is the guy to do it. He makes these huge slow-mo epics that are just crazy, and that's what a comic book is. A splash page in a comic book right. is the page that you turn where all of the heroes are jumping at once, and they're all captured on the on the two sides of the comic book instead of one. And, like, there was a splash page um, moment in the Snyder Cut last night, in yeah. the end fight, yeah, that where was all the really heroes cool. landed on the ground at the same time, they're all moving at the same time um, in slow motion, and, like, there were just so many fantastic um, visuals that ha I couldn't believe had been excised, but, like, the fact is that, like, Zack Snyder finally started being himself with these movies, but it, it was too late. It was too late, because... BBS came out, the studio watched it, and was like, this is boring and long and horrible. What do you got with this new movie you're making? And then he showed him a four-hour movie. And I'm sure those execs were, like, baffled. Just like, we've made the biggest mistake ever. We need to hire somebody who not is going to direct a new Justice League, like all of us have thought for years since the Snyder Cut, uh, since the Whedon Cut came out, we all thought, oh, Joss Whedon directed this movie. He took it from Zack Snyder. That, that is not true at all. He truly edited the movie, The Snyder Cut. He was given probably the close to the same four hours that we got, not with special effects or anything, but he hacked it down. And the shit that he hacked out of it, I would say 75% of it was totally needed, necessary. Any editor would have watched The Snyder Cut in an editing bay and been like, so much of this has got to go. It just doesn't matter. You can't put all of these plot threads in. You cannot do it again. Like, I I get why all of this happened now. I get why they brought Joss Whedon in. Everything is making sense. I am not fully sold on the Snyder Cut, but there, there are aspects of it that were so strong. Laid up against things that were not. Like, there's 25 minutes of slow-mo in this movie. I love the slow-mo shit, but 10 minutes would have been cool. 25, they're just... You could tell Zack Snyder is just like, I, I can do whatever I want. So I'm going to make everything as you know slow-mo and insane as possible. And and it doesn't matter. I have no runtime. Originally, this was going to be a series. 
it's just such a mess. You know what I mean? It's hard to mm-hmm. say for me as a as an amateur movie critic. It, is this better than Joss Whedon's version? I think it's about equal, but it's a totally different movie. I don't know. I guess it was hard for me to get past all of the deleted scenes. And again, I just saw the other movie like a week ago. So I was just really confused. Like I just started just not remembering which was from which. Um, But for me, I felt like a lot of what I was seeing in the Snyder cut was just like changing scenes. It's basically like if there was a scene of someone like making a sandwich, it's just like, in one movie, they're making a sandwich one way, and the other movie, they're making a sandwich yeah, a different way. At the end of, of the day, they're just making a sandwich. So I was sure. just like, wait, what? Like, it was just things that were... I felt, for the most part, and I know things changed as it went on, but, like, a lot of the story was, like, the same point was being told. We were just getting to that point in a slightly different way, and it was just bothering 100%. me. 100%. <laughs> like, the movie, no matter which way you cut it, is... A giant CGI action figure running around the world looking for three boxes. That is the plot of both movies. There's no, there's nothing plot-wise greater to be gleaned. But what you do have in the Snyder Cut is more motivation behind almost every character, especially Cyborg. Cyborg is a character who is very deep in the comics and who is not just a dude who flies around with jetpacks and shoots missiles. He is deeply troubled by his integration with technology. He is godlike powerful with his ability to control it. Nowhere in the weeding cut is that made clear. It, they took all of it out. Any discussion of he can interact with money, with the internet, he can see the sure. trail of this and that, they they pulled all of that out. So again, I understand why Ray Fisher, the actor who played Cyborg, sued Warner Brothers and felt like he was given short shrift on everything. Um, I'm, I'm with you here, though. Like, mostly it was ridiculous. Um, the music was fucking god-awful. That um, was one of the worst parts of the, the biggest of the com- One cut. of the biggest complaints people had with the weeding cut is that they brought in um, Danny Elfman, who is a composer who did all the old Batman, classic Batman Tim Burton mm. movies, who did Nightmare Before Christmas, things like that. Um, and people bitched that it was all about the score being um, derivative of older scores. I mean, they play the old Batman theme in it. Manipulative, people called it. um, Things like that. This score from Junkie XL was fucking terrible. Um, I wrote in my notes that it was like ruining the vibe many times during the movie. Like It was was actually ruining the scene for me. And I mean, if we're going to talk about the music, we can talk about Diana's tribal music, which was the worst part of the entire movie. Yeah. Um, Hated the scene in the beginning with like the woman singing, just personally. Yeah. Okay. So we have to talk about that. That is that's where I got like chills up and down my body and was like, this is not going to be good. Um, oh, you didn't like that either. Oh yeah. no, no, no. Um, and then it, was, it was that the song though, so it was scene... or was that a totally different song? No, that's a totally different song. <laughs> um, so the scene that we're talking about is Aquaman is returning to the ocean after his confrontation with Bruce Wayne in the fishing village, um, and as he lowers his ripped abs into the ocean. Um, I would assume they're trying to uh, suggest that, like, there's a community in and around him visiting this fishing village, and they celebrate when he comes because he comes with a very plentiful bounty every year. It's Mm -hmm. made clear that he's keeping this whole town together. So the idea is, as he's leaving, the women of the town and the children all get together, and they're like, Aquaman, like, we love you, but, like, in Norwegian. Um, and it was so, it, it, for a second, I was like, oh, this is so Zack Snyder. This is as Snydery as it gets. Um, like, female vocal crap over ripped abs, like, glimmering ocean, like, CGI garbage everywhere. But then it just kept going. It was too long. And then they cut to the woman at one point who has, his coat. who has the sweater <laughs> that Aquaman has ditched uh, to jump into the ocean. And she's literally like... <sighs> Ah, and then they all go back to singing. You know what it was like? It was like Midsommar. It was like it turned yeah, into yeah, like the town yeah. from Midsommar That's for a second. very true. I mean, that was obviously a deleted scene. It would have been cut. It mm. had the, that movie come out. I'm right. sure of it. Good. Okay. And beyond that, um, I also... That was good. You made that flow naturally. 
like we didn't take a pause <laughs> and that you're not reading your notes right now. So you're getting better at the podcast. It's like the cyclone uh, thunderstorm. Beyond that, <laughs> yeah, this is like the cyclone. You continuing your note about the Snyder Cut is exactly the same as the start and stop jam at, at Cambisco Rainstorm. You're welcome for that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So uh, the, <laughs> the tribal music for Thermoscua? So close. How like you're in Themyscira. Themyscira. Yeah. Okay. Um, the tribal music for the ladies. Uh-huh. Um, the Amazonian Any ladies. In Amazon is on screen. Literally, I said, kill myself to Diana's tribal music. <laughs> um, it's basically just like... <laughs> and it's like, like they'll be in a fight with five other characters, and Every Diana time. just swings her sword, because everyone's attacking, Yeah. but because Diana swings her sword, it's like, yeah! and it's like, at, at a certain point, it's almost... It's offensive. It's almost misogynistic. Yeah, it is. Because she has to, it's almost as if like we have to stop everything to make this very, and, and the rest of the... Um, music is very masculine, but like we have to like literally have to have this woman singing anytime Diana, a woman, is doing action. It was, yeah, I mean, absurd. It I, was rude. It was rude. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it got to the point where every time it happened, we were just laughing. So that was terrible. Um, that was terrible. And there were things in this that were surely terrible, um, especially like when it comes to the lore that they've expanded upon, which for you... I would imagine because you don't know who Darkseid is and you don't like know who the new gods are or any of that story that that for you, would you agree that this movie from your point of view, instead of one giant CGI character being the bad guy, it was like two or three just having conversations the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been better if they had gone down the route of like what Marvel does sometimes is let's let Steppenwolf Sorry, be be the the bad guy here, and at the end maybe just creep in a little bit of dark side so we have something to look forward to in the next movie. Sure, yeah, and, like and that's how you build a a bad guy over multiple movies. Right. I mean, they were trying to do that in this movie. I get a little it. Bit, they, they did but at then the end, kind of. Yeah. In the weeding cut, um, so that didn't exist. I also personally, and I don't know if I'm just saying this because it's the first version that I saw, is I liked Steppenwolf better in in the um, Wheaton cut. Or as you refer to him in your notes. Okay, so he's stepping stone to me. <laughs> That's pretty good for Rage, though, so for our first watch. I did write, stepping stone looks like Thanos mixed with a troll. <laughs> so you preferred stepping stone's first appearance. I did. In a weeding cup. But, but I also, also haven't gone back and looked at an image since like we watched the other one last night. I just thought like his, his computerized, like pointy, like technological body was like just annoying right i didn't like it i didn't like his um his suit or whatever he was wearing and then his face was like a disgusting troll with like broken teeth it was just yeah. not I, I, as effective for me i think they're both stepping stones are about equal for me i don't think any is like hugely worse than the other they're both bad I think they both kind of look like shit. I wonder what was going through um, Whedon's mind when he changed. I can it. imagine. So I would imagine that when he changed it, he wanted to do more focus on the face so that there's more emoting to be done. And that's why, you know, Snyder Cut, he has all this armor, even all up to his cheeks, basically. And his face is just this little triangle yeah. of like, goofy features in the middle. Um, the Whedon Cut made him um, more... More human, um, and I think that is because any fucking person with a brain who watches Infinity War and sees Thanos is like the most compelling part of this is that he's very believable as a human. Like you can see his emotion, you can see his whole face, you can see his regret and 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 things that he's doing. Like they wanted Stepping Stone to be someone you could kind of feel emotion from, but I don't think he really got that in either. Um, we also talked a lot about one of the biggest differences being, um, or lack thereof difference being, uh, the rated R cut versus the PG-13. Um, I think sometimes that did show up and was very effective, and sometimes it wasn't really there at all. Um, but the parts that it enhanced for me, and this is just a scene that I cannot believe how good it was in the Snyder Cut, for me at least, was Diana fumbling the bank robbery in the beginning. Mm. Um, in the weeding cut, it's very, like, episode of the week. It's like, oh, here's what Wonder Woman's up to. She's, like, stopping this goofy bank heist. Like, it all goes by very quickly. You don't 
feel a sense of terror. There's no like sense of dread happening. Um, this one was shot like Christopher Nolan style. You're right. Like, you're right. You saw the cars outside. You saw the SWAT team members. You saw the the functioning response of the police. They they put a tremendous amount of tension in it. And when Diana finally shows up and starts like. And she did not do this in the weeding cut. Starts, like, throwing guys head first 50 feet across the room. And, like, you see a stain of blood on the wall afterwards. Like, not only have we never seen Wonder Woman ever act like that in any of her movies or Justice she looked Justice incredible. League, it was just, it was pretty staggering. And at that point, I was like, this is inc- going to be incredible. But, like, again, every for every peak and valley and wave that I found in the Snyder Cut, there was like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Um, well, I also, in the Diana... Bank heist. I like that um, when when they threw the bomb or when she threw it in the air yeah. to, to have it blow up in the air. I had said originally in the um, weeding cut, I was like that bomb was supposed to blow up four blocks worth. Of, like the, the guy said, right. the guy was like this this bomb is going to blow up four blocks of the city. Right. And when she threw it up in the air in the original one, it was just like poof. Right. It was really small, but in this one, I thought they made a it's huge powerful. explosion, which yeah. like actually just lined up a little bit more. Small detail, cool. but it bothered me in the original. That is a perfect example of of what I found many times in this movie, and that's that Joss Whedon, and this is known, I think, pretty well at this point. I would say is a better writer than Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder is a better director than Joss Whedon, and there were just they moments- should have just worked together. Well, yeah, that's a <laughs> foregone conclusion. But um, there were moments in the Snyder Cut that were so much more compelling than anything in the Weeding Cut. Like, the final battle for me um, in both movies, um, it, it hit so much harder for me in Justice League. It was in, in uh, the Snyder Cut. I just thought, first of all, the color correction... I didn't realize, and especially with the rest of the movie and and Superman's fucking mustache finally being gone, that, like, this movie was shot all in one color scheme. Like, everything did look uniform in the Snyder Cut, whether you like those colors or not, whatever. But in the Weeding Cut, everything was turned up. Like, when I edit a photo on your phone... Um, you hand it to me and you're like, can you make this look better? Like, you turn up all the color, you turn up all the contrast. They made Whedon do that. That was like, the studio was like, we're so sick of Zack Snyder making these dark, fucking disgusting movies. Right. You need to tune everything the fuck up. And I'm not talking about daylight and night type type of shit. It's really just how all the suits look, how all the characters look. Um, The Snyder Cut just looked gorgeous. Like, looked incredible for me on our TV. I thought it looked... I, and now I've seen Justice League, Whedon's Cut, in theaters, at home, on different TVs. Like, I kind of want to watch it again now. <laughs> honestly, like, for me, Whedon's Cut now is something very different for me. Once, I thought it was just a forgettable, fun romp, good time. Mm-hmm. Now it truly is just, like, an edited version of this movie. And cool. Like, I like that they cut it down, but don't think that they should have brought another director in to do that. I think they should have just cut it down and been like, Zach, you got to cut an hour off this movie. That's what right, they do with right, every other no, director. For sure. They always say to the directors, you got to cut this and this amount of minutes. We don't care where it is. Cut it out. So if Zack Snyder would have brought them this movie, they would have said, this needs to be three hours. He would have cut it down to probably three hours in one minute. It would have been painfully long. It wouldn't have had the nightmare scene at the end because that was filmed during quarantine. It wouldn't have had a lot of little additions that were all done after the fact. Um, I think the best version of this movie is that movie. And that movie doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, The Weeding Cut is a lot of fun. I suggest anybody who isn't a huge DC fan or has like much riding in the camp of Batman or Superman to just watch that movie and have fun with it like I did, like Rachel did. Um, We like that movie. I would watch that movie again. Had things in it like Batman we talked last night that there's a scene in the weeding cut where Batman shows up in the first 15 minutes yeah um in this movie it was two hours and four minutes until Batman was in his suit that's insane for a Batman movie and first it was just of all a for good, a, it was a good opening scene yeah too. it was cool but people and it, it, people it, hate that scene. I love that <laughs> this is why I felt like the weeding cut just the story to me made more sense and again sure. this could just be that the Snyder Cut is an unedited mess that doesn't include an actual cohesive story but like in the weeding cut, like, okay, in that first scene, Batman is trying to trap one of the flying bug things yeah. because he's on to, he's been seeing these flying bugs around the world and he's trying to solve this mystery. So that ties it, like, it all ties it in a lot better. 
this movie again was, was confused. <laughs> it was like Batman versus Superman, where it's so much and there's so many plot points and not a lot of them matter. Yeah. And again, it boils down to it's a dude looking for three boxes on Earth. Like, you don't need to go into Star Labs and meet every single employee at Star Labs <laughs> as they work on the alien ship. Now, I've done reading afterwards that shows that the Asian guy who... They're, of course, they're setting that up for is this he Is one of the biggest superheroes. I just didn't know his that that was him and blah, blah, okay. blah. But, like, again, like, that's how you feel watching it. You're watching and you're like, what the fuck is this now? Like, the Martian Manhunter thing, I just want to say, like, just wrapping it up here like the dumbest fucking part the craziest change like if you need to sit down and just look at one scene to show you what happened between the Snyder cut and the weeding cut you watch the scene where Lois Lane has a conversation with, yeah, with oh Clark's mom and in the weeding cut first of all it's terribly lit Lois Lane's makeup looks like they did it like in a, in a rush to get her inside I've always thought that scene looks so bizarre it's shot in a break room at, at Lois's business where she works now, which is like a shitty... Because in the Snyder Cut, they make this huge deal that Lois has quit being a reporter, but in the Weeding Cut, they got rid of literally all of that and just made Lois... Remember how I said to you, how weird is it that Lois Lane is writing puff pieces on pets? Yeah. Remember how they said yeah, that yeah. in the Weeding Cut? Mm -hmm. She's like, no, I just like write articles about like, oh, the funny pet of the week. And it's like, what are you... You were like undercover in a terrorist organization. Like, what are you doing? Um, in this one... It's totally different. They're not in a break room. They're like in a gorgeously lit apartment. And it's like, and, and it's the same conversation, but it's a little more serious. And Zack Snyder is like, you know, filming it better. It looks better. It sounds better. And then at the end, she walks out of the room and turns into an alien and then flies away. And <laughs> I had no idea what was going and on. And that's <laughs> the perfect comparison. Because again, Zack Snyder, better director, like better, like at, at framing a scene, but like ultimately is so tied into his own bullshit that he deflates this interesting conversation between two characters just to show you an alien that you should know if you read the comics. Like you can't have it both ways. And, and I, I hate that there has to be one movie that's like this and another movie that's like that, but we'll never see what that bridge in the middle could have been, but it probably would have been a lot better than either. Um, Either way, it's something that's kind of hard to judge. Something that's hard to uh, dislike. Well, like I was saying, um, I just felt like there was much less camaraderie in this movie than there was in the Weeding Cut. I just believed their uh, their bonding of a crew of the Justice League a lot more right. personally. Um, and one scene that I thought was really upsetting that they cut, which goes along with changing f the flashes, kind of. Not history, but his developing character right. um, was that scene where Batman was like, you know, just save one. When he was like, I can't go into this battle. I'm scared. I've never done a battle before. And Batman pulled him aside and was like, just save one person. Just go in and continue. <laughs> That's Flora. <laughs> Flora, stuff it. Continue. Um. I thought that was um, that was disappointing. That yeah. was like a very monumental moment. I thought. Right. Well, um, let's end on one fun note. Wait. Okay. And the fun note is just talking about the mythology of Stepping Stone, um, <laughs> and and one of the, the funniest plot points that we kind of uncovered while we were watching this movie. This is going to take a little bit of math um, on on a variety of levels, but like let's set it up like this. Stepping Stone in this movie is. Um, beholden to Darkseid because he betrayed him at some point. So Darkseid um, in in the Whedon cut kind of sends Steppenstone to just do his bidding. In this one, Steppenstone like is in... He's trying to impress his daddy, basically. Um, his punishment um, is that when he has finished conquering Earth, which they've made clear is thousands of planets have already been conquered, right? I mean, this has been going on for a while. Earth is not the first one. They showed earlier in the movie that um, Darkseid attacked Earth thousands and thousands of years ago. So, right. like, obviously a lot's happened in between. But he goes, step in stone, you must conquer 50,000 more worlds. And step in stone was like, what, you're bidding my master? And then, like, uh, whatever. And we, like, we kind of paused on that. We were like, wait, what? 50,000? I just wrote in my notes, 50,000 new worlds? <laughs> Here, I just okay. thought that was funny. What registers is so hilarious about it to me is that... Do you think no one was listening? A, they tried to conquer Earth once. This is one planet, right? A, they tried to conquer Earth one time, and it didn't happen. They got fucked up badly. Darkseid got 
grievously injured. And then to say to Steppenstone, you have 50,000 more after this one, when in this movie it's made clear that all you have to do is conquer Earth. The mother boxes are only on Earth. <laughs> right? So when Steppenstone conquers Earth, that is going to be No, it. they want to turn all the planets into the... When you when he oh, puts so they the, would have to bring the boxes to every planet. I don't know the logistics, but when but look how hard it is to do one planet. Yeah, I just don't understand fifty thousand new worlds. It's wild. Like Darkseid, forget that it's going to be an eternity for Steppenstone. Are we just calling him Steppenstone oh, for this sure. whole yeah, pod forever? And I hope he's in the next movie <laughs> or something. I continue to call him Steppenstone. Um, but like Steppenstone is having so much trouble doing this one world, and remember, like DC is like Marvel, where out in the universe there are things so much more powerful than human beings. Like the entire Green Lantern Corps is a thing. There's thousands of soldiers with Green Lantern rings that can manipulate time and potentially be as powerful as Superman in some cases. That shit is not just on Earth. That is literally everywhere. So like. Darkseid says it's so matter-of-factly, he's like, you're going to conquer 50,000 more worlds. And Steppenstone was like, okay. And it was like, that's impossible. Like, I think they were just banking on nobody like listening to that little spiel. I know, but we were <laughs> listening very closely to Steppenstone's words, and they were, like, absurd. Like, the idea that he would have to conquer 50,000 more worlds, it made me laugh so hard. because Because we're watching a four-hour movie where he can't even conquer one. It's like, damn, this is not going to work out. I'm just going to say one more thing in kind of opposition of what you said. I personally just felt like the, the end fight scene was better in the Weed and Kai. Okay. I liked the pace better. I liked the fast fighting. Right. I thought in this one they kind of reverted back to like BVS where it was just like one slow punch and then that person's on the ground for five minutes. I'm talking more about the structure of the fight being that... I also... That I liked it better the in the other flash, one. What he had to do at the end with time travel no. as, as a way to undo everyone dying and like you got to see the skin and muscle and bone literally burn off Batman's body and like and Superman's body and like the fact that it all came down to all of them using their different powers in different ways I mean it really was much more uh, effective I'm not talking about the physical fighting yeah, I'm talking about no, I know. how it was presented and the emotion that I felt watching it when they failed and then watching um, Ezra Miller uh, that he was cut and that he wouldn't be able to run that fast. I was like, oh no. Whereas at no point watching the weeding cut was I like, oh no about anything. I was like, they're gonna win the day, obviously. Yeah, there's no, I guess you're there's right. no problem to I be. I just had. liked the I like the red tone, first of all. Yeah, I don't. Um but then also I thought like, I would. him saving the Russian family. I don't know. I'm just that's just me. I'm just yeah, like happy go lucky and I just like you need a Russian family. I needed saved. that and I liked him just like, you know, rushing them out. Like his job in that fight was getting the townspeople out. In the, hmm. in the weed and cut. That's hmm. what he was doing, right? He was running, and, and then Superman joins him. And it's yes, like, I'll help they you. they showed Superman holding in a, a whole building, yeah. flying away. No, that was funny. It was funny. <laughs> I don't I know it. what to think now. I'm all confused about this, and I don't know how to rate it, but we have to rate it. So you gave BVS a four and a half. <laughs> you gave Justice League an eight. And you will give the Snyder Cut... Mm. Like a 5.5? 5.5. Okay. I don't know what I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I truly just felt confused by it. I'm not the best person to be analyzing this. I just wrote in my notes, I'm confused. <laughs> oh, God. I'm never going to live this down. I don't even know if I can score this movie. Because there are things about it I liked more than Whedon than a 7.5 movie. I don't even think it needs to be scored because it's not even a new movie. It's just like another version of a yeah. movie and it's an unedited version. I'm not going to compare it to Whedon. I'm going to say as its own experience because it is epically long. It took tons of risks. It did interesting things with the DC canon. It actually seemed to understand Batman and Superman for once and it had a lot of cool slow motion. Let's say like as an experience, it would be like a 7.5, an 8. Okay. But as a movie, I, I can't rate it. It's not a movie. It's a fucking behemoth. And as a comparison to Joss Whedon's Justice League, I don't know how to rate either of them anymore. This really just confused 
the shit out of me. I also just don't like change very much. Like, it's very hard for me to, like... I know, you're, you're kind of like that. Accept something, like, a change at first. Yeah. So, for me, it was just like, I might just be clinging on to the original. Had I seen this first, maybe I would have felt the opposite. Well, next year, we'll watch all of them again and repot about them all again, okay? And we'll have a new opinion because... And probably a bigger change TV. over time. I want to thank my wife for watching all of these movies. Really appreciate your effort. Mm -hmm. She asked me, is anyone listening to this? So if you are listening to this, thank you. <laughs> and um, just very proud of my wife for the the progress that she has made as a dork. Uh, it's it's <laughs> staggering. What once was a girl from New York who liked Gilmore Girls is now sitting in a basement <laughs> podcasting about the Snyder Cut. And it's got, guys, it's got nothing to do with me. I've had no influence on her. This is totally out of nowhere. One day she's like, I want to watch every comic book movie ever. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bitch. Last night, actually, we, fin we finished the Snyder Cut. We watched oh, God. Falcon f fucking Winter Soldier. So that's like 11 hours of comic book shit. And Rachel's like, all right, Marvel movie? And I was like, dude, you are a dork. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I don't know, it's like all my brain thinks about now. That's awesome. I have some more I want to show you. I have some classic, like, cool superhero movies I think you would like. So we're going to try those out, um, but not podcast about them. This was just something fun to do in between seasons. So thank you for joining But then, me. like, when Papa said he needed a break from uh, superhero stuff, we decided we would delve into early 2000s yes. classics. Yes, we was started the, with The, the Game <laughs> with Michael Douglas. What do you think about The Game so far, Rach? It's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I forgot like we even watched it, but maybe we'll finish it. You want to finish it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Rachel's got to go to brunch. <laughs> I mean, what even is brunch? Is it lunch? I haven't gone in over it, a year, so I'm, I'm not you quite wait sure. wait an hour to eat breakfast? I'm doing, doing the, I'm doing the thing. I know, I know, I know. I'm doing the thing from Justice League that we were podcasting about. That was a miss in the, in the Snyder Cut. I know. Where was all the brunch stuff? People hated that. People hated the Flash I in the loved, Cut. I just liked, I liked the Flash, his portrayal better in the Yeah, in, in, I agree. I liked Cyborg better in this. I liked Flash better than that in that one. I think Batman was slightly better in this because they made him like do less silly shit. I don't like when Batman does silly shit. Like lay on the ground and go, oh, in the one scene in the weeding cut when he's just laying on the ground in pain. Mm. And Superman's like, do you bleed? And it has a digital lip. It's just some, some things in the weeding cut are still terrible. But again, that's the chick smelling the sweater. I don't know. There's... <laughs> Watching Martha Kent shapeshift into Martian Manhunter was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in a movie. So, like, what am I even talking about? Zero out of ten. Well, anyway, guys, that's anyway, all, folks. Anyway, again, <laughs> Rachel's got to go to brunch. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, wait. Oh, you already did That's All, folks? Yeah. I can't talk after the line. You're going to have to do it again. All right. Cut that. Okay. All right. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rach. That's a good one. That was your best one yet, I think.